Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. But the game held no particular interest in me. You also watched the Manning. So were you still with the Manning cast when they came back in the third? It was, it was a tie game? No. Okay, so at this point I saw Jimmy Johnson early, and you yeah. always wait, like, who's going to be the next guest? And they say a name that I'm not sure you know, Tracy Morgan. I know Tracy Great Morgan. physical comedian. actor. Uh, yeah. Comedian. And he was Tracy on the show Morgan called... Tracy Morgan was in one of, the, one of the episodes of Listen Up. Seriously? Yeah, Tracy Morgan was in one of the episodes of Listen Up. Did he yep. play my dad? <laughs> no, I beat your dad. <laughs> the Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. Tracy Morgan was in one of the episodes. I'm pretty confident about that. This is a note from Tim Ziegler in Martinsburg, West Virginia. Martinsburg, West Virginia has really good outlet shopping. Okay. Uh, the Washington Bullets, when they were the Bullets, used to train there. I drove up there a number of times. It's like it's real close. Well, it's not real close. I'm an hour 15 away from Washington. It's not oh, that that's far not bad. away. Yeah. And he writes, I'm attending my first Nats game on Friday, September 30th. So that is in two days. Yes. Thanks to the SeatGeek deal. Use the code, people. Use the code. I missed out on the Summer of Littles, so I hope to meet any Littles at the game. I'll be wearing a Binghamton Bearcats shirt. For the Littles who may attend the game, send a cheeserie and feel free to introduce. I'm looking forward to a big pretzel. Anything else I should see? I'll be on the lookout for DC license plates. Thanks again for bringing us all together and for all the entertainment over the years. Well, I mean, I hope other people are there. Uh, I watched the game last night. There was nobody in the stands. You get a distorted view. And Michael, did you watch any of it? I did. You get a distorted view when they show the home plate camera because the really good seats behind home plate are always 60 to 70% full. And they're not the, 100% full. They're 60 to right, 70% because, full. So if you're not familiar with the stadium, this is an all-inclusive buffet. There's, there's, a, there's a whole yeah. concourse underneath the stadium level that they are visiting. You know, so it's, yeah. And these are destination gift tickets. So even if you don't want to go see the Nats... It's going to be, hey, I am going to give you four tickets for this game, and you'll, you yes, will, you'll make it to it. Yes. They're fabulous. But, but when somebody hits a fly ball, especially a foul fly, and they show the stands, there's not many people in the stands. And people have given up on this particular uh, de- Depending team. on the angle, if you go down the third base side, there are a lot of visiting fans who are still making it to the weekend games. Right, right. But yeah. they're not, there's not home fans. Anyway, so I'm, I watch the game, and I send off furious and i think insane text to chuck todd they're insane i just go on and on you know why didn't lane thomas play earlier in the year victor robles hits a home run and i go it's terrible when he hits a home run because he convinces nine more people that he's a major league hitter he's not a major league hitter he's a great fielder he's not a major league hitter and i say look at these guys they're playing now luke voigt this guy cole they got rid of michael franco at third base they've got cruz is cruz hurt or is they've just dumped him <laughs> I mean, because he, he's, as a DH, he was a bad idea. Yeah, he's a 220 DH. You know, didn't pan They out. don't have Soto. They don't have Bell. It's an entirely new team. It's a terrible team. They have no pitching. They have no pitching whatsoever. But my favorite pitcher is Paolo Espino. Paolo Espino in the first inning, I think, strikes out the side. I mean, he goes through the first inning pretty well. He goes through the second inning pretty well. The Nats are up 2 nothing. In the I third was, or the fourth? Yeah, I think it was there. Two nothing in the third or the fourth? You know, they'd built some runs. Voigt knocked in a run. Again, Robles hit a home run. Always, you know, always hits a solo home run. You don't have to worry about that. <laughs> Nobody's ever on base. And then Espino, you know, you, you can see it in his face. He's a journeyman. He's got to be in his mid-30s. He gives you everything that he's got, but at some point in every one of his starts, he gives up home run balls. He's like giving up. 25 home runs this year it's some enormous number for a guy who is not an you know he's not a lead starter he gives up a lot of home runs and he gave up three and two innings back to back yeah three and two innings and 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 he loses again he's 0 and 8 he's gonna go through the I, i think there's a statistic in the washington post today that he could set a record for innings pitched without any victories in a season they're not winning any more games. They have to get very lucky to win any more games. It's not going to win any more games. You're going to lose 100, 108, 110. And the timing of this is, I mean, this is the power of divisional games as you look at people who want to shrink that schedule and you look at the Braves who want to 
have divisional cat, games have caught, are great. and now want to pass the Mets. And then nineteen you look, divisional you look games. Look at the is Phillies, great. who are still trying to jockey it for where great. they're going to be within that wild card. Baseball's making a terrible mistake. And those home runs were torpedoes. It's not like they just. It's not like the Ryan Zimmerman goes into the flower bed. No, these were <laughs> they were they went out in less than a second. Twenty one home runs. Like, you he's kn- allowed. That's a lot of home yeah. runs. How and, many innings? Oh, I have to check that out. Uh, no, how many innings? Because I'm going to tell you, it's less than a hundred innings. It's like one every three innings. 113 innings. It's, it's one every five innings. I mean, it's yeah. just a lot of home runs. And 35 years old. So, yeah, this, yeah, yeah. And well, I this love is him. a team yeah. that's built around starting pitching. So was. It used I, to be. I love yeah. him. I totally love him because he never complains. He never looks at his arm. He never looks at his leg and looks at the trainer and wants to get out of there. He wants to pitch. Are you referencing a specific pitcher? I might be. It's a little cold. <laughs> might be. Number 37. Yes, one or two be. ice cubes every, every couple of weeks. You yeah. know, so yeah. he, he tries his best, and it's not good enough. Would it be, better, would it be better for him to come out of the bullpen, be like, you know, seventh, no. eighth inning guy? Who are you going to start instead of him? Fetty? Mm. You know, <laughs> Josiah, Josiah Gray, it, 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 by now, you ought to know. He's a 10 and 13 pitcher with a 4.60 ERA. That's who he is. Now he gets a lot of starts. The last 2 years he had a lot of starts. That's pretty much who he is. Fetty's worse. Fetty's a 6 and 10 pitcher with a 4.30 ERA. I mean they, they don't have anything. Yeah. Corbin goes trots out there, Yeah, you know? I, I think it's the way to the rest of the guys that are bringing Gray down cuz you think about where is he lining up when you get to these other matchups and I think you're a little quick to dismiss him, but we'll see. Again, when you, I were, when you and Chuck Todd were talking about the pitching staff, yeah. that's what was the most troubling as you look forward. And again, it's that Austin Voth example where no matter what he's doing, he goes somewhere when he else, went he's to better. the O's, he was better. He's better. And by the way, do I need to see Doolittle sitting do. in a dugout all the time? Do I need to see that? I'm thinking no. Do I need to read that he wants one more comeback? Again, there's an issue with rescue dogs right now, and he's done a great service. I love him for that. Yes. But, you know, anyway. So this leads me to something uh, in the open, which is the baseball open, which is Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge did not hit a home run last night. Aaron Judge got very little to swing at last night. He was walked four times in Toronto. The Toronto staff probably got together and said, well, we're not going to do it. We're not going to be the ones to give him 61. 61 is a big number. It's not 73. He's not going to hit 73. He's not going to hit 70. At this point, he may not hit 61. He hit 60. With 15 games to left, uh, left to play, 15, the longest he had gone all year without a home run was nine games. That was in August. The second longest, and he's matched that now, was seven games, and that was in April. And I said yesterday on PTI that if he, only, if he stays at 60 and he goes 15 games, the last 15 without a home run, people are going to think he's a choker. And Wilbon starts screaming. Anyone who thinks that is an idiot. You know, he hit 60 home runs. You can't think that. And he said, Babe Ruth went 15 games without a home run. And Hank Aaron went 15 games without a home run. I let it go. I'm going to answer it now. (laughs) I'm going to answer it now. There's a difference. I don't know that Babe Ruth went 15 without a home run, but I'm willing to believe that he did. I'm willing to believe everybody has gone 15 without a home run at some point in their careers. This guy's sitting on 60 now. It's different. It's not the middle of the season. It's not the beginning of the season. He's not sitting on 46. He's sitting on 60. And the entire sports world is watching every time he gets up. In fact, there are cut-ins probably in New York City. Oh, I would think so. You know, for people to watch. ESPN, I'm sure, would like to do cut-ins on... Aaron Judge, because it's going to be better than whatever else they're showing. They push you notifications, like how to watch this, you know, like that. So it is different. If he goes the last 15 with the pressure on and doesn't get a home run, you're going to say, well, what happened here? He's never gone 10 this year, and he had 15 games, and he'd been hitting at a pretty good pace in September. Not an Albert Pujols pace, but a pretty good pace in September. So I think he's put a lot of pressure on himself i said yesterday i thought he'd get 63 if you're not going to pitch to him he's going to walk he's trying to win games yeah i mean that's he's not out for himself 
I mean, he is to a degree, but well, and it's what he's other, trying to win games. It's what other uh, you know season long awards he is in contention for that are also in play for triple this. crown. But it's the you know it's that missing piece. It's not like he's taking on field batting practice. Someone has to pitch him the ball. Yeah. Uh, look, they have who they have the Orioles and then they have the Rangers. It looks like he's going to get a few more, but I hope. Yeah, um, this is he's a home run hitter. You go fifteen without a home run after you hit sixty, people are going to question. They are. Come on, I mean, come on, Mike. They're going to question it. <laughs> Didn't threaten to put you in jail, did he? No, I asked him at one point, do I have to go to jail? Because he was putting everybody in jail the other day. Um, so I hope he gets it. I hope he gets a few. Yeah. I really do. I always thought that there'd be pitchers who would say in their own minds, I'm going to give you nothing but fastballs and let's see what you got, big boy. Right. Yeah, let's, let's dance. See. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, to me, pitching around him is the coward's way out. I th- yeah, to me. I think you have to ask to me. What, Yankees won that game, but what would the warrior god do in this situation? He'd challenge him. The warrior god definitely challenged him. Right. The warrior god's going to the Hall of Fame, <laughs> so he doesn't care to be a statistic. It's right, yeah, late, but you'd probably tag him for one of the first couple innings. Yeah. Kevin Gausman, right, doesn't want to be a statistic. Yeah, because Kevin Gausman, do I pronounce that correctly? I think so. He's not going to the Hall of Fame. Probably not. No, unless he's no. a visitor. He's not, yeah, he's not going to the Hall of Fame. I'm not, no, no, he's a major league pitcher. I'm right. not knocking him. Yeah, no slow. But he, he's trying to protect something that's different from a Verlander or a Scherzer. I mean, those guys, <laughs> they are. Okay, let's go. Right? Let's go. Yeah. So I hope he, I do, I hope he gets it. I don't know if he's going to get it. I, I think he's going to. You think he's going to. I right? think he'll get it. I mean, you know, yeah. pitch to him. Yeah. Pitch to him. The Texas I think, Rangers. I think what are they waiting for? The Orioles. I think they've you've got them next. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it would At be. home. Yeah. Yeah. That's so right. We'll the last three home games. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin Gaussman used to pitch for the Orioles, right? I believe he did. And now he, he pitches for Toronto. Yes. I he's a good pitcher. Yeah, he's a pretty good pitcher. But he's not a Hall of Fame pitcher. Not a Hall of Fame. No. He's better than Paulo Espino, but he's not a Hall of Fame pitcher. <laughs> Chuck Todd just, he stopped responding to me. <laughs> I was much, too much crazy. I was manic. I was simply manic. It's almost like there's midterms in a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah. We'll take a break. Uh, Booger McFarland joins us when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. We're gonna work harder for Jimmy G. Einstein, he was emotional and teary. He said, I got a brand new theory. It takes time to develop relativity, but I'm gonna work harder for Jimmy G. <laughs> Jimmy G, Jimmy G. We're gonna work harder for Jimmy G. Howard said, Rune College is my boss. My contract comes with considerable cost. I've got a natural perspicacity, but I'm gonna work harder for Jimmy G. Jimmy G, Jimmy G. We're gonna work harder for Jimmy G. A brand new album is Abbey Road. It's a lot of work, it's a heavy load. But as I told Yoko and she told me, we're going to work harder for Jimmy G. Jimmy G, Jimmy G. We're going to work harder for Jimmy G. We'll all work harder for Jimmy G. The brilliant Dan Byrne. The absolute brilliant Dan Byrne yes. with a Jimmy G song. Claire Natola writes, Littles would do well to keep an eye on Dan Byrne's website or social media. A 2023 winter tour is taking shape. It even includes a gig in Lake Orion or Lake Orion. Any truth to the rumor that you'll be the opening act reciting Louise Gluck poetry? No, 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 no. Booger McFarland joins us now, and we have a lot of things to get to before we even get to football. And the first is, Booger, my son Michael has informed me of a game called Logo Bingo, in which when people are on television and they're wearing a golf shirt or have golf cards behind them, people take screen grabs of that and, you know, and tell their friends, this must have happened to you with your golf shirts when you have Wingfoot or when you have Marion. Are, are you, did you ever hear of Logo Bingo? 
Tony, you and I are more similar, not only in age, but also in knowledge, because I had no clue about this. Yeah, yeah. So I didn't know either. Michael, explain what it is. So Logo Bingo is an Instagram account that tracks when anyone is caught out in the wild wearing a particular logo. So for the two of you, uh, the PTI back and forth has gotten a lot of traction. But this could be as simple as walking through the airport and you see somebody wearing, you know, from your Long Island trip, you see someone wearing a Friar's Head hat. And, and that, do you take a low- picture of them? No, it, it's beyond just the Instagram account. It could just be seeing it on the wild and you recognize it. And there's that, uh, Fantastic. There's that subtext. Fantastic. All right. Um, also, you live in Tampa. Tampa appears to be ground zero for this hurricane. What is your circumstance there? Are you leaving? What's going on? Well, right now, Tony, the storm is south near Sarasota. Um, and so as long as it stays there, we're going to stay here in Tampa just because the storm will be south. We'll get a little wind and a little rain and, um, you know, maybe a power outage here and there. But we should be good. So right now the plan is just to uh, kind of lay low here in Tampa. I, I went out this morning to grab a little coffee, and it's a little rain, but it's, uh, it's pretty calm. Because I heard, I heard the Buccaneers have relocated uh, to Miami in the, in the last day or so. Is that... Yeah, they went down and used the Dolphins facility. And I think that's just more peace of mind. Well, you don't have to worry about guys coming to work in, in inclement weather. You don't have to worry guys don't have to worry about while they're at work, what their family is doing, because the Bucks offered uh, the players to bring their families to Miami. Oh. I, I just think it's how can I eliminate as many distractions as I can? And the easiest way for a team is just to relocate the organization for a few days, probably come back Friday night, and, and, and I think, based on the current weather report, this game is going to be played Sunday night in Tampa. Uh, the storm should be gone. And as long as there's no widespread power outage or, or a bunch of debris down, the, I think the game should go off pretty good in Tampa. You played in Tampa. You played college ball at LSU. Did you ever have this circumstance where you relocated? Uh, no, not relocated. We actually were in training camp the last time. Uh, I want to say, I believe it was Charlie came through maybe, or, or, or maybe it was one of those, uh, Ivan or something like that. I can't yeah. remember which one. And and we were down in Orlando, and, and so we kind of missed the brunt of that one. But um, this is usually the time of year. Yeah. You know, it, it's July to kind of October or whatever where you got to deal with them, uh, mainly as the summer ends and the water is still super warm. Um, but hopefully everybody thoughts and prayers to everyone and everyone stays safe. Okay, let's go to football. Are you surprised, or how surprised are you? After three weeks, only two teams are 3-0, and and they are not the teams that we would have predicted. They're not Buffalo or Kansas City or the Packers or the Rams. It's, it's I am surprised, maybe you are not. Well, I'm surprised a little bit based on, you know, all the – jargon we talked and uh, throughout the offseason about how good the AFC West is going to be yeah and and the Raiders 0-3 yeah uh, I, I just think Tony this speaks to a couple of things one there's so much more parity in the NFL right now uh, based on uh, the, the lack of play in the preseason so teams aren't sharp I really don't think the parity exists but when teams aren't sharp then there's more parity so when uh, I believe it was 11 quarterbacks didn't play at all in the preseason and week one their teams were a combined two and nine I believe or three and eight something like that and so when you're not sharp and you're not on your game then your team can't play to its highest potential and so I think that's what you saw early on I think that parity will dissipate a little bit as you get into October toward the end but by the time we get to Halloween we will know who the good teams are and we will know who the teams that need to start scouting draft picks are and I think that'll happen based on what went on in the preseason as teams get ramped up and get ready for the season, in the season, so to speak. This is interesting because I would say that if you polled all the NFL football players and you asked them, would you rather play in the preseason or not play in the preseason, I would think that 85 to 90% would say I'd rather not, right? Most of them would say that, Tony, but that's because we don't want to get hit when we're playing for 1500 bucks, right. Let's not forget, right. everybody in the NFL makes the same amount of money in the preseason. I believe the number is, is between 1500 and $1,800 a week. So if I'm going to go out there and play this same sport and do the same thing in the regular season, I want to make my 10 or $15 million, uh prorated rather than my 1500 bucks a week. So, yeah, we're not going to want to play in the preseason. However, Tony, I'll tell you this. 
The only way you get better at football is to play football. The only way you get better at interviewing people is you got to interview people. The right. only way you get better at doing anything X is you have to do X. And I think that's where good coaching comes in is how do I get my players to buy into playing and, and being ready in the preseason while not killing them, but also understanding, guys, we got to play. Like, we got to get ready. We can't just show up day one and roll the helmet out there and then you look like, hey, you know, and, and, and here's the thing about this, Tony. Even when you win like the Bucks did against the Cowboys week one, they still didn't look good. They did not. And so you have to get out and play football to be good at it. This is very interesting. Um, Tampa Bay didn't look good in any of the games. There are three games now. They haven't looked particularly good. I was texting during the game uh, the other night, and I said, we're watching Brady look old before our eyes. And then I had to retext. Who were you texting, by the way? So she brought up that you're texting. Oh, my friend Jeff texting? Leonardo, who drove the bus when I did Monday Night Football, and we've stayed close okay. over the years. Um, and, and I had to then take that back and say, oops, I might have been a little bit <laughs> premature because Brady went down the field in the last three minutes of that game like a 25-year-old, right? I mean, when you see that, don't you realize, wow, he can still play? He can play at a high level. Um, I think oftentimes, Tony, we overthink this thing called football and the coaches want to be so involved. Um, how many times do we see this weekend, not only Tom Brady, Remember Russell Wilson at the end of the game? Yes. He went into no huddle form. Yeah. Because, guys, when you go into no huddle, you don't have time to think. You just react. It's about getting into the line of scrimmage. It's about reacting. It's about instincts. You take the coaches out of it because oftentimes the quarterback is calling the play, and he's calling his own number. He's doing the things that make him very comfortable. So, yeah, those guys still have it. I think the biggest issue in Tampa uh, is this, is that only for one quarter – have they played with the team that Tom Brady left the kids' pickup line to come back and play with? That's right. And that That's is right. Russell Gage, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Julio Jones. They've only been on the field for one quarter through three games. And I think that when those guys get back, when his left tackle Donovan Smith comes back, because right now he's nursing an elbow, he might be a week or two away. But when they get their full team, then they need to start practicing together so they all get on the same page. I don't think this Bucks team is going to really look like they're clicking on all cylinders if they stay healthy until around mid-November, Tony, just because they haven't been together and these are older guys. It's going to take them a little while to get warmed up. But you best believe if they're healthy come November and December and Tom Brady is standing upright, they will be a legit Super Bowl contender. I agree with that. You mentioned that the Raiders were the only 0-3 team. Josh McDaniels is the coach of the Raiders. He failed – in his last head coaching tenure at Denver. In fact, he started out 6-0. and Josh McDaniels in his last 25 games as an NFL coach is 5-20, and which is awful. A lot of Belichick's assistants, almost all of Belichick's assistants, Eric Mangini, Joe Judge, Romeo Crennel, Charlie Weiss, uh, Matt Patricia, they lose games and they get fired. Do you have, I assume the explanation is, they go to teams without good players because you're not going to win without good players. But there's such a cluster of Belichick assistants who don't do well. Do you have a theory on that? Well, I, I, I think, uh, well, first of all, you got to give Bill O'Brien a lot of credit because Bill O'Brien actually took Houston to the playoffs. Yes, time. he's the only guy um, with a winning record. He's like 52 and right. 48. Um, I think it's this, Tony, is, is that you spend so much time under his shadow that you're trying to figure out your identity when you come from underneath. And so now, how much of Bill am I going to be like, or how much of Romeo Cannell am I going to be? How much of Bill am I going to be, or how much of uh, Josh McDaniels am I going to be? And, and I think there's a, there's a struggle, because you know what works. Bill works. Bill has been, uh, I mean, over almost a dozen Super Bowls as a head coach and a coordinator. Uh, you know that works, but you also know you may not be comfortable doing what Bill does. And so I think there's a struggle and there's an identity. And then the last thing, Tony, here's what I'll tell you. It's hard being a coach in this league. Uh, Bill didn't succeed in Cleveland. Nope. Okay? Nope. And, and just because he's the greatest of all time now in New England, he didn't make it his first go-around. Saban couldn't make it in the NFL. And he's the greatest college coach of all time. So I, I think those two things, if you, if you force me to kind of – get in the corner and give you a couple answers, I will give you those, too. That's great to hear. Booger, stay safe, and we'll talk to you next week, okay? 
Will do. Y'all be easy, man. Have a good one. Thank you. Booger McFarlane. Wonderful. We'll take a break. We will come back, allegedly, with Carville. Certainly with Ma. We'll see. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. The warrior god. The warrior god. Like the god of thunder. Like Atreus of plunder, like Zeus, the god of lightning, so very, very frightening. The warrior god, the warrior god, he and Grom, so fearsome and strong. So lay down your bets on the New York Mets. The warrior god, the warrior god. Dan Byrne is doing opera. <laughs> totally brilliant. The warrior god from Max Scherzer. Plays in James Carville. James, I called, I didn't call, I texted or emailed Peter Nobler, uh, and he was so happy to just even hear that you were talking about him, and he mentioned how you had spoken at his son Daniel's graduation, which I think you talked about. I, the, the kid just won a Grammy for producing an album, which is really nice. Really? Yeah. Wow. He won a Grammy. It's very good. You had a good week. You were three and two. You had the Dolphins. You had Florida with the points. You had Wake with the points. Wake was a great pull. Yeah, the two I lost, I lost by a fraction. Yes. You were so close. You were so close, under a point. It ain't hot shoes, it ain't hand grenades. So That's right. It, it, That's right. So what do you got for us this week? So uh, Kentucky goes to Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. What, what, what line you don't see on that? I've got Mississippi, uh, Ole Miss giving six, giving six and a half. This used to be a trap game. I'm I'm Kentucky. You want Kentucky in this? Yeah, I mean, I thought that line was going to. Kentucky's good. Yeah. Well, I think Lane Griffin knows what he's doing. I mean, I know people want to say he doesn't, but I think he does at Ole Miss. I mean, he's a good coach, but I'm going to tell you, he's a good coach. Look over Kentucky. We think of Kentucky as a basketball school. We got them, They're pretty damn good. Okay, so you'll take Kentucky. Uh, so, uh, you thought you were getting more, obviously. What else? Uh, we got uh, Baylor is hosting Oklahoma State. Yeah, I've got I've got Baylor giving two and a half. I I, I get, I'll take Mike Gundy. I'll take the two and a half. Okay, he, he's <laughs> he's an underrated coach. He's a man. Ask Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah, he no Gundy knows what he's doing. He does. Yeah, crazy haircut. What else you got? And. Uh, and uh, Davo plays North Carolina State. Yeah, I've got Clemson giving six and a half. Uh, all right, but I'd I, I beat the point to take Clemson. Yeah, I think they're going to. I think they got their close game out of their system against Wake, don't you? Uh, yeah, I mean, they're not Clemson that we used to know, that's right. but they're that's still right. Clemson. Yeah, all right? that's uh, right. And uh, uh, the Bills play. Play where? Buffalo were at Baltimore. It used to be three and a half. I don't know what it is now. It's now it's at three now. Buffalo giving three on the road in Baltimore. Giving three. All right, give the three. Take Bills. Okay. Bounce back game. Okay. The the Chiefs and the Bucks. Uh, Two and a half, wasn't it? Kansas City. Oh yeah, Uh, it's now two. Kansas City giving two at Tampa. I'd take Kansas City. I don't know. You know, the the storm is not going to fix. Tampa is much, and they were going to go practice in Miami. Right. And it's just, it's, you know, at a competitive game like that, this could be a distraction. Uh, and, you know, the Chiefs, <laughs> the Chiefs are the Chiefs. <laughs> the Chiefs need to, and, well, they, know, they both Brady, lost last week, but the Chiefs, they, yeah, I, it was worse. I think Mahomes is, you know, given the age differential, yeah. I'll take him over Brady. Okay. Is that it? And, and uh, my, 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 the one I'm going to kick in here. Is the LSU line, LSU Auburn, it went from seven to nine. And I would still take LSU. And I'll tell you why. 
because John Emery Jr. is coming back. He was the number one running back four years ago. Uh-huh. And between injuries, and he got caught up in an academic probation that I, I think everybody didn't think he deserved. But and then, so this is his first game back. He's going he's gonna to go for over 100 yards. And Auburn's just not that good. Deion Sanders is going to be the next head coach at Auburn. This is now, let's talk about this for a second. Um, the rumors have it that, that Auburn is going to change coaches. If Dion went there, it would be so much fun to see him and Nick Saban, his Aflac co star, <laughs> in the same Boy, state, right? Paul Feinbaum, Paul Feinbaum might have a heart attack. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I just think that would be a lot of fun. And, and Dion, yeah. Dion is apparently 19 and 5 at Jackson State, so he can coach, right? He, he hasn't coached. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, the other thing is, uh, I think he's a pretty good recruiter. I'm too sure. But <laughs> he's a great recruiter. He's uh, People would yeah, want to play for guy. him. He's yeah. I mean, I, you know, he would be, I mean, I would, he'd be good for SEC getting another $100 million on his TV contract if Dion is coaching at Auburn. You are 100% <laughs> right. And one of the reasons to coach Auburn and not, for example, Georgia Tech is that Auburn has won national championships recently. So you don't question, yep. can it be done? Oh, yeah, it can be done right there. Oh, 2013, I thought, something like that, 12. Yeah, so, yeah. Sam Newton. All right. Thank I you, James. I don't go to Florida State. No, the Florida State, that guy's doing okay. They're not getting rid of yeah. him. They're not. All right, no. talk to you next week. James Carville, boys All and right. girls. Right. Always a pleasure. See if we can get Jeff Ma on the phone. I have this email... I have this Jeff Ma email here from Mo Moriarty, which may or may not be a made-up name. Sherlock's Mo Moriarty in Nemesis. Wethersfield, Connecticut. Uh, and he says, as the proud inventor of the silliness called the Matisse Falcon, I'm uh, happy to report that it came in this week. When you described the concept of Jeff Ma, he sounded somewhat nonplussed, probably because he knew serious gamblers know that a five-team tease, not an intelligent or serious way to wager. From his perspective, he works hard and makes serious analytical decisions and presents them. And then some dope like me does something incredibly foolish with these gems while giving it a half-clever nickname. That is the real problem with casting your pearls before swine. Muddy pearls. I prefer to think of it as delightfully, delightfully foolish frippery. And besides, if I wanted to be a complete idiot, I'd be betting with Chuck Todd and call it maybe the Swiney Todd. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the fun and the pearls, Mo. It's a wonderful email. Jeff Ma joins us now. Um, you don't even have to respond to that because he says he's a dope and <laughs> he's corrupting all the things that you do. You had a good week. You were 4-1. and one. You're 9-6 and six overall. Good week. Second week out of the box. Third week out of the box. What do you have for us? Hopefully some more winners. Yeah. Um, let's start with Thursday night's game. Um, I heard you and Chuck talking about this game. It's for sure, a difficult spot for Miami, but I, I just think this is too many points at this point. Um, you know, the the point spread, everyone knows that this is the spot. This isn't like news, right? So you're always trying to find where the value is, and I think we're overreacting a little bit. Miami plus the four at Cincinnati looks like this keeps drifting up, because which means that there's smart money on Cincinnati, um, with the exception of Chuck Todd. But you know, Miami plus four. I like them here. You do like Miami there. Yeah, I do. I mean, I just think it's too many points. And I, I know that the, the, everything that Chuck talked about is, is true. I mean, this is a very difficult spot. That's why you're getting all these points here. And so, I, I, again, it, this is not saying that the spot is one that Cincy is going to cover in 75% of the time because that's why the line is so high. Um, if, if this spot wasn't there, you know, and, and the question is, are they over-adjusting for everything that you talked about, i.e. The, the short week, the uh, difficult game that Miami played in the heat, the you know the, the amount of plays the Miami defense was on the field for, all that kind of stuff? Are they over-adjusting for that? And I kind of think they are. This is interesting. I was stunned at the line, and it shows you that I'm not a gambler and I don't really understand things because I was amazed that Miami could have won that big game and now would be getting this many points. Okay, what else? I'm going to take the Bills minus the three and a half at the Ravens. <clears throat> I mean, I think we're all very impressed with, you know, the Bills and, and the Ravens and both teams being two of the sort of best teams, it looks like, in the AFC. Right. Um, but, 
you know, I, I still think the Bills are sort of a cut above. Um, I think they they bounce back here and um, giving three and a half at the Ravens, um, like the Bills. I just think they're a much better team than than Baltimore is at this point. Okay. I mean, obviously, Lamar's playing great. He is bet on himself, and um, but this isn't the New England Patriots. This is the Buffalo Bills, and this is I think this is going to be a challenging game for them. Okay, what else? I like the Eagles minus six and a half versus Jacksonville. Um, Jacksonville's a team that sort of everyone now is looking at and saying, like, oh, yeah, Urban Meyer was a problem. This team has elite talent. You know, Doug Peterson's made Trevor Lawrence, you know, the overall number one draft pick that, that he should have been. Um, but I think the Eagles just a much better team, much better defense, and I think this is where Jacksonville kind of comes back a little bit to reality um, and struggles against a, a team that, you know, looks like they're one of the, uh, best teams in the NFC. So, I, I mean, I look at this game. I understand the motivation for Doug Peterson to go back for the first time in Philadelphia and win the game. But he's a coach. He's not a player. You know, it's, you know, if this was a tennis match and a guy had incentive and motivation, I might bet on him. But Philadelphia is, a, I think, a significantly better team than Jacksonville. You agree. Obviously, you agree with that. They're just a better team, right? And they're at home. Yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah. Is Peterson going to coach harder? Like, yeah. what, is that, what is that really going to mean? I don't is know. going to like right. spend more time watching film and yell more at his players? <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I, yeah I obviously there's a huge narrative around motivation. Yeah. Again, like one of the things that you think a lot about in sports betting is this this idea of what are the narratives driving in terms of point spread, and are those narratives really indicative or are they quantifiable at all, etc. And again. I agree with you, Tony, as a coach and a motivation. You know, like, do, do these players love Doug Peterson? Well, they've only had a few weeks to really get to know him or, or you know, That's whatnot. Right. So, I, right. I, I, yeah, I, just, I think the, the motivation angle is probably being overplayed here. Okay. What else? I'm going to take uh, the Chiefs minus the two at Tampa. Um, I think Tampa, again, is a team that right now, you know, obviously missing skilled players at some of them, they're getting back. They're going to get Mike Evans back, et cetera. But they're still an older team. Um, Kansas City obviously not play great against Indy, lost that game. Um, but I do think they're still a, the class, one of the class teams in the AFC. And I think Tampa is still a team on the downswing. Um, I, I think they'll still continue to struggle to score here. And I think Kansas City will have... Um, you know, we'll, we'll be able to score and we'll win this game. It's interesting. We just had Booger McFarland on a little while ago, and he lives in Tampa, and he obviously knows pro football, and he knows played for Tampa, won a Super Bowl for Tampa, cares about Tampa. His theory was that with all of these people who are hurt or suspended or whatever happened, he said, you will see Tampa. It will take till mid-November, but you will see Tampa at some point get everybody back and practice with everybody back and be a real good team, just not now. That sounded reasonable to me. Yeah, I mean, that's reasonable, but also, again, like Tampa is is an older team, right? So right. And you have no guarantee that just because some of these guys get healthy, the other ones don't. And I, I think they're going to be a beat-up team all season. Um, and certainly, you know, the quarterback is, is, is older, so – there is some point where he drops off. I mean, everyone keeps talking about this. I mean, is Tom Brady at 55 going to be a good quarterback? Well, probably not. So at some point he's going to drop off. Um, and, you know, he had that look last week that he had in 2019 against the Patriots where he looked angry, and, and, and he's had that the last couple of weeks. And so, again, like this, this idea of who he works with and his offensive line not being the offensive line that it's been in the past, um, Tampa for sure still has a good D. I just worry a lot about like the skill positions in the offensive line. Okay. All right. What else? I'm going to take New England plus the ten against Green against Green Bay. Um, you know, again, obviously huge adjustment based on Mac Jones versus versus Hoyer, but you you'd have to think that that's a bit of an overreaction because you know. Mac Jones is in his second year, certainly had a great year as a rookie, if you rate it relative to rookies. But um, is he really that much better than Jed Hoyer at this point in his career, or Brian Hoyer, sorry, at this point in his career? It's, it's hard to say. Um, and certainly it, it, it does seem like the the point spread is over-adjusted for this, for a Green Bay team that certainly has not found its stride yet. 
Have you learned? To, we're three weeks in. Is that enough time to learn what you need to know? Because I'm sort of puzzled and rather amazed that there's only two undefeated teams after three weeks. There's usually more than that. Yeah, there was some talk that this was going to be a big year with parity, and and you know I think everyone kind of forgot about that when Buffalo came out to the great start that it did um, in the first couple weeks. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean the NFL has been built on parity for whatever many years, right? With the way free agency works and 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 the schedules and whatnot. So um, no, I don't. I mean, usually, yeah, you're right. There's a few more outliers and whatnot. But it, but I do think this is one of those years where there is a lot of you know bunching um, in terms of even the top, and it's hard to know who the super elite teams yeah, are. And yeah. it, it seems like maybe there's a handful of teams this year that can win the Super Bowl, which is pretty exciting. Yeah. Uh, Jeff and Rufus Peabody do bet the process. You can listen to that and get a lot more than on this thing. Is Rufus uh, Rufus stayed away from the President's Cup, right? He did not have anything to do with it. He did stay away from the President's Cup. We have This week we have uh, James Holzhauer on, Jeopardy James, the uh, guy that beat Jeopardy and is also a professional sports better and we're going to talk a little bit about the concept of advantage play which means these people out that are out there that only bet when they know they have an advantage um, can beat things like roulette and comps at hotels and casinos and whatnot so it should be an interesting show. Fabulous, fabulous. Thank you Jeff, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks Tony. Jeff Ma, boys and girls. That's the guy, did he win like a, a billion dollars on Jeopardy, right? It's not, he was like, the, the, that guy Ken was the first guy to sort of run the table on Jeopardy. Ken Jennings, right? Yeah, but this guy is more recent than that, and he's a sports better. <laughs> of no. course he is. You know, that's something I think that they ought to start teaching that in colleges. You know, they ought to bring a whole new generation of people into just losing all their money and walking out <laughs> naked in a barrel. We'll take a break. We have email and jingle when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. One, two, three, four. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Got your email, faxes, and jingles. Here comes Mr. Tony's mailbag. Gonna read some for all of your folks. It's lovely. Greg Rosendahl, Lindsay Merrill, thank you very, very much. We've played that before. It's lovely. Do you have a Bethesda Bagels ad for us? I do, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. That'll do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say, can't see nothing in front of me. Can't see nothing coming up behind. Make my, make my way through this darkness. Can't feel nothing but the chain that binds me. Lost track of how far I've gone. How far I've gone. How high I've climbed. On my back's a 60-pound stone. On my shoulder's a half-mile line. That is Bruce Springsteen, of course. That is The Rising. That's a fabulous, fabulous tune. The entire album is about 9-11 and living in New York when that happened. Thanks to our guests today, Booger McFarland, James Carville, Jeff Ma. Thanks as well to our sponsors, Simply Safe, ButcherBox, Indochino. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. Get the show through Apple. Please leave us a review. Oh, did I tell you what, uh, what Walker confessed yesterday? That his, his podcast is doing better than ours? <laughs> uh, he's actually taking a break from his podcast. We could focus on his studies in kindergarten. I think they're working on the JA sounds, the license plate that never was for me. Yeah. So every day I walk him home from preschool, and it's about a 20-minute walk, and his little brother's there. And he looks at me and goes, hey, do you remember that snack? Uh, and I'll blank, I'll blank out the other kid's name. Remember blank snack? Yeah, I, I, I knew what I was doing. <laughs> Deliberate. Well done. Uh, well done, lad. Yeah. Um... From Matthew Hatfield, who's the president and CEO of Hatfield Sports. Loyal Little <coughs> excuse me, that is in, well, it, he'll say this. Loyal Little here, who loves the show. I'm a longtime sports reporter in the Tidewater area of Virginia, specifically covering high school sports. So you can imagine my pleasant surprise when covering the Lake Taylor versus Maury High School football game on Friday, September 23rd in Norfolk. To hear it the third quarter, the public address announcer encouraging fans to use the phrase, La cheeserie at the concession stand. <laughs> Given that the game drew more than 3,000 fans, I'm curious as to how many folks mentioned it and what they received for doing so. Perhaps a free hot dog, popcorn, soda, maybe even some Tillamook ice cream. I didn't quite catch the part to hear what one received from mentioning the phrase as I was somewhat paying attention to the game and keeping stats. 
Nonetheless, it brought my friend and I great joy when we heard the lachiserie mention as the connective tissue of this program only grows. I'm sure either the announcer or someone from the concession stand at the game will write in and provide an update. It's just so random. It's, it's a crazy. It it's catching on. It drives people nuts. Yes. This is from Kelly Hodges. And where is Kelly from? Uh, in American Falls, Idaho. This is long, but I hope it's going to be worth it. May I please shed some light on the subject of McDonald's and Burger King fries? I work for Lamb Weston, the world leader in frozen potato products. At Lamb Weston, we make all the French fries you are familiar with. McDonald's, Burger King, Chick-fil-A, Arby's, Jack in the Box, Wendy's, Raising Cane's, Carl's Jr., and thousands more worldwide. Let me repeat that sentence. We make all the French fries. It's like how all eyeglasses are made at the with. same place. I have previously emailed the show about the Chick-fil-A criss-cut waffle fry, which oh. I trust Michael has introduced you by now. And those are something special. Yeah, that's... Burger King fries mm. are more starchy because of a clear stealth batter applied to them just prior to the frying step in our industrial kitchens. This helps the fries maintain a crisp outer shell at the restaurant during extended hold times under heat lamps after cooking, but prior to serving. It also assists in retaining heat for drive through customers and can be used to add seasoning, especially in a red batter fry, such as Arby's Curly Fries. Mm -hmm. You may have noticed recent commercials showcasing a change to Wendy's fries. They transition from a non-battered fry to a stealth battered fry. This is amazing. Says everything I ever needed. Right. This is amazing. The voice of authority, yes. McDonald's fries have no such batter coating and are therefore under a strict seven-minute hold time at their restaurants. At Lamb West and American Falls, we create McDonald's fries from some of the best potatoes in the world, grown along the Snake River as it meanders out of Yellowstone National Park through our beautiful valley on its way to the Columbia River confluence. What is this, the Jay Peterman catalog? One reason <laughs> you may prefer McDonald's fries over other options is they are a one-quarter inch shoestring cut. Burger King uses a slightly thicker 5 sixteenths water knife when cutting potatoes. A thinly cut fry strip can absorb more oil during the cooking process. As the more, and the more oil absorbed, the more you may enjoy the taste. Any sugar added during the blanching process is for color or appearance and not taste. Most people think of sugar in the form of sucrose, table sugar, or fructose, sugar from fruits and vegetables. However, dextrose is the sugar commonly used when cooking potatoes and is primarily derived from starch. When a small amount of dextrose is added during the blanching process, it gives french fries and other foods a more appealing and uniform color without affecting the taste of the product. Without dextrose, the finished product would have increasing levels of color variation. This contrast is usually less visually appealing. Though not to me. I like the color. Michael, the fries with no salt trick is an excellent way of ensuring freshly cooked fries are added to your order. It works every time. Just be sure to request salt packets with your order. In closing, may I please be considered the official potato and french fry analyst for your show. Like Mike Pereira, I would like to be consulted whenever potato-related topics arise. If appointed, I will add it to my resume and LinkedIn profile and promise to force the topic during every future job interview. <laughs> when you and Michael make your annual pilgrimage to the mountain time zone, I'd like to host you at the Sun Valley Golf Course. Is how fabulous. Let me. We're building a show around this for latkes. <laughs> let me go through this again. Right, Passover latkes. Yes. Let me go through this to. again. At Lamb Weston, we make all the French fries you are familiar with. Yes. Uh, That's just brilliant. My, my main takeaway is I believe I had that. Yes. My gosh. Yes. From Scott Gurney in East Selkirk. What is MB? East MB? If you've caught yourself wondering what we're even doing out here, man, you might be a little. I love this game. I don't know what MB stands for. I don't know what that is either. It's not a state. No. Some degree. Mebisoda, maybe. Mebisoda? (laughs) Yeah, that's possible. (laughs) Mebachusetts? Could be Mebachusetts. Could be Mebeland. I don't know. Yeah. From Steve Schuster. Happy New Year to the Kornheisers. I'm a TK little old enough to remember the discussion of Michael's Bar Mitzvah on the old WTEM show. So for him to now have three boys makes us all feel old. Funny story that my dad told. He was at Duke Zebert's restaurant in downtown D.C. You have to be of a certain age to remember, but all the old D.C. regulars, Art Buckwall, Larry King, etc., went there. Uh, Tony would remember Duke. Of course I remember Duke. I know his son, Randy. I, know du- I knew Duke. He's not with us anymore. He was a real character who would schmooze and greet all the lunch guests with a joke. Frequently, the conversation would turn to golf and the state of Duke's swing and game. When someone asked Duke what his handicap was, he would reply being Jewish. Ha, ha, ha. Enjoy the podcast. <laughs> Eric Carlson. 
from Morgantown, West Virginia. My wife and I are currently on vacation in Rehoboth Beach, and our rental has a Black & Decker toaster. It simply won't do. <laughs> Might we swing by your place for the backup revolution toaster for the rest of the week? Sure. I'll also accept delivery if you don't want us little knowing where the bigs recreate. I'll hang up and listen. By the way, MB, Manitoba. So every, okay, so everyone who was e- about to email us, we know. Manitoba. Okay. Thank you. Um, from Charlie Burtz in Springfield, Virginia. Dr. Tony, Roger Goodell called. He wants to know if you, Maury, Gary, and the socialite can scrape together some more of that sweet Bitcoin. If you can do it by the next home game, that would be great. You're not Bitcoin people. <laughs> Larry Zebrak, who was a great athlete at Valley Stream North High School with my camp friend Warren Freistadt. Larry Zebrak, a great athlete. Grandpa Tony, I know how upset you were about New York designating Stony Brook as New York's premier university. Breaking news. New York just named an official state car. You guessed it, the Subaru. Don't be too upset. At least the commanders look good. (laughs) Stay well, Zeta. Wonderful. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. But we don't have the Schaputzfer to do it. Jimmy G, Jimmy G. We're going to work harder for Jimmy G. Einstein, he was emotional and teary. He said, I got a brand new theory. It takes time to develop relativity, but I'm gonna work harder for Jimmy G. Jimmy G, Jimmy G, we're gonna work harder for Jimmy G. Howard said, Rune Ullage is my boss. My contract comes with considerable cost. I've got a natural perspicacity, but I'm gonna work Harder for Jimmy G. Jimmy G, Jimmy G. We're gonna work harder for Jimmy G. A brand new album is Abbey Road. It's a lot of work, it's a heavy load. But as I told Yoko and she told me, we're going to work harder for Jimmy G. Jimmy G, Jimmy G. We're gonna work harder for Jimmy G. We'll all work harder for Jimmy G. The warrior god The warrior god Like father god of thunder Like Atreus of plunder Like Zeus the god of lightning So very, very frightening The warrior god The warrior god He and Igram So fearsome and strong So lay down your bets On the New York Mets The warrior god